I'm Sean Vanneman. And I'm Brad Muir. And this is Dota Today. Welcome to Dota Today, a Lord's Management podcast on the Idle Thumbs Podcast Network. We are joined by our new friend, Aaron Chambers. You may know him if you listen to any competitive esports whatsoever as AC. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going well. Uh, glad to be your friend and not just your guest. New yes, we make friends quick. New yeah. Very friendly guy. We had Patter for a full 10 minutes there. I, exactly. Like, yeah. Were nice, we yeah. not recording like any of it? If I was, oh, I'm, I, I see squiggly lines over there on that monitor, yeah, so I think right? we got... I think we got all that stuff. If you want to splice awesome. any of that friendly, just make it the B roll into this B-roll. thing. Yeah, you can yeah, cut we'll it fade in out there. slowly over the back of it. But um, okay, AC. So you go by AC. Yep. How many times when people see your your like handle printed? They'd be like, "Oh, hey, I ye see or whatever." That was <laughs> I like didn't get it at first. I felt like such. And a, how many times such you an stabbed idiot. yourself in the thigh with a fork every time it happens? You're just like, oh. There comes a point where you you just accept that you've you've painted yourself into a corner and that <laughs> you just you, have to go with it, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's you know it's gotten a little better lately because uh, I've done you know interviews like written and all this, and I and I always get asked the question, and I always get asked by people who approach me at events. It's like, so what is it? Is it AC? Is it IC? Is it a yesy? Honestly, it's it's eighth grade ICQ speak nice. for my for my it's my initials the phone right, spelling yeah. of my initials. Of course, yeah. oh, I I did figure it out pretty quickly. <laughs> I wasn't that yeah yep. thick. Oh really? Well, <laughs> I can yeah. see that being that sort of thing where you're like, oh, and then I and then I wouldn't tell anyone. <laughs> figured it out <laughs> six months later and be like, hey, oh. I just that's a real boner. I, today. Yeah, I just figured out this guy's nickname like six months after. But oh, there's shit. actually a radio tie into it too, like, and that's kind of how it got solidified. Like, I use that forever. Um, and, and again, it goes back to like hitting on girls in my classes in ICQ and trying to be super awesome and going like character map and using all the weird characters for ICQ yeah. name. Like, uh, it goes back to that. But whenever I started working radio for the first time, I worked at a station that already had a, a personality named Aaron, and it was actually a, a, a woman, and she did uh, some drive time stuff and all that. She was Aaron Williamson. But, you know, whenever you're thinking ahead to, like, branding and personalities, you like, Aaron in the morning or Aaron in the afternoon. And there's a problem when you got two Aaron's that are literally completely different. Sure. So uh, they asked me, it's like, would you mind using a different on-air name? And I said, yeah, just call me AC, man. So I was Aaron AC Chambers and just rolled with it and kind of got known for that in my local area. Like, I was known more as AC there than I was. In, and to tell you the truth, it, it goes even further than that. That was my nickname for my friends. We were goofy dorks who called everyone by like their initials like bk and jb and all that kind of stuff so those are good ones like i'm an ac is like you know top of the list yours is bad <laughs> mine's <movement>. bad yeah <laughs> bm you can't, I, I, I can't go by BM BM. this morning you can't i mean go. I, had, I had coffee with brad is what i mean <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna keep talking i'm gonna turn us down okay i see some peeking there is that me peeking i'm totally no, peeking who's peeking um, yeah, just leave this in here. I want to watch you de-peak it. De- is that a term? <laughs> de-peak it. I just made that up. It's called leveling. I don't know anything leveling. about this. Oh, no. We can't talk about, we can't talk about de-gloving. Yeah, it hasn't yet, which is awesome. Um, but yeah. I was going to make a horrendous condom joke there. I'm really glad I did. Oh, that's fine. De-gloving is the worst. Don't, You're looking good, Don't though. Google degloving. It hasn't come off yet. Yeah, no, it's still on. For people who don't get the deep cut that was that giant bomb reference joke, uh, Brad has a titanium <laughs> ring that will... Uh, tungsten. A tungsten, tungsten ring please. that has the potential to 
rip all the skin and muscle off of a finger <laughs> yeah. if he was in an accident. And you that wanna, act is called degloving. You don't want to look. You don't want to Google degloving. Just don't. They make do yourself your, a favor. Dude, that's your W. QW. It's totally my W. Your w. Yeah. So you oh, have my, to play somebody who had a passive on their W. My just bristle. My bristle gameplay. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Your quills. Just play Skeleton King. You're fine. Yeah, you're Wraith King. Just play oh, Wraith King. You're fine. I'm, yeah. oh, I'm still raw about that, that they changed him to be like a fucking ghost. Yeah. Skeleton King was like my favorite character. Like, what's your problem? Getting you have, started you have and a stuff. Ghost beef? I think I do have a ghost beef. I mean, <laughs> the like, I loved the character design of Skeleton King. I totally loved it. It was one of. I mean, also, there's this. You know, we talk about this a lot on the show. I think about the weird uh, Ouroboros nature of MOBAs, and mm-hmm. you know, you've got like the Blizzard Warcraft to Dota to Valve to League of Legends to what you know this weird circle thing. But um, yeah, it was like King Leoric or whatever. Yeah, you know, he's Leoric. like a Warcraft character. He's the Skeleton King. All right. Um, I like him. But their design was so great. Oh, it like was so time. ridiculous. Mm. Um, now he, it's funny. They went, they were like, oh, he looks too much like whatever, like Warcraft 3. We should make him look more like Lord of the Rings. And give him <laughs> a droopy like eye yeah. that makes everyone uncomfortable. Like, like, I, I like that they Super were like, hilarious, right? Like those ghosts that lived in yeah. the mountains in the third movie. Yeah. I'm bummed. I just, I really like the. Uh, I'm glad they didn't change his voice. Valve Skeleton King oh, you know design. What? I really, really enjoyed it. And, I actually uh, think I might know why this is. I think it's an issue with skeletons in China. Yeah, there, there is that definitely. Yeah, I, think that's sure. a, I think that's actually what it is. Yep. I could be incorrect. It all comes I'm sure I'll get yelled at by a friend. Yep. They changed the Pudge this. model for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Pudge used to have his guts all spilling out and all that, and they put an apron on him and like on his default Button model, him zipped him up. Yep, yep. He's yep. just chubby now. He's not. Rupture's not hilarious, by the way. Have you seen the Chinese version of Rupture? No, what does it do? Oh, it just springs. No, like when, when, you, when you rupture with, with Bloodseeker and yeah. you run, it's, it's, it, I, I don't know if it's still the case, but when it, they first put these models in, it was, it was seriously like a rainbow <laughs> like, <laughs> that like leaked out of you. It's so funny. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. That's awesome. So, where are you from? West Virginia. West Virginia. Yep. The best Virginia. Uh, yeah, it, the, the, yes, exactly. That's, isn't that the actual like like uh, Chamber of Commerce like slogan <laughs> for West Virginia? The best. It's always a like, wild and big to the other That's Virginia. The best. Oh my god, the best Virginia. That's wild awesome. and wonderful, where we put our high school girls on camera for MTV and then watch them self destruct in front of our eyes. Yes, that's West Virginia. Beautiful. It's good. <laughs> I could. No, there are places that I wouldn't want to be. Mm, like, like have my car break down in the middle of nowhere, and I think mm. West Virginia is probably like in like rural West Virginia. They might put you in a well. No, see, no. that's the thing. Like, I, I can I, I make jokes about it, and you know, it's it kind of <laughs> the rolls. moment somebody else does, you're like, dude, it's fucking nice. Yeah, uh, no, no it, good it, people. It, yeah, uh, you working. would really like it there. All right, <laughs> so I, I'll put it this way: there, there are. And maybe this is just the, the the redneck in me, more comfortable around uh, around maybe country folk in Appalachia. But there are more streets in in Oakland than I that I would worry about walking yeah, down than there are hollers in West Virginia. Yeah, and you know it, it, it's still it, it has its problems, <laughs> it has its stereotypes, and occasionally lives up to them. But honest, yeah. honest to goodness, it's a beautiful state. Um, it, it's the kind of place that if you're an outdoorsy person at yeah. all, um, it's great. But what like I think for, we're all sort of rural. You're Michigan, right? Suburbs, man. Suburbs. <laughs> suburbs. I grew, Ross, I grew up in Wyoming. Like, oh, from what? Really? Yeah, I grew up in Wyoming. Yeah, yeah I was actually I drove through Wyoming uh, just about six, seven months ago. Probably uh, on eighty. <laughs> I have no just idea. cruising through. You're a basically flat piece of it. on. Uh, 
an airstrip mm. for like 500 miles. Yep. <laughs> Same thing in South Dakota. South Dakota. It's gorgeous, but yes, basically yeah. straight shot. Up near Yellowstone. It's a little prettier. Oh, yeah. That, that, uh, I actually drove my car because I moved out here about a year ago. It's actually uh-huh. next week marks a year to the day oh, uh, since I moved to San Francisco. And uh, yeah, I uh, came out here originally just with a whole bunch of, of bags and no car or anything. You know, got moved in. So went back home and drove cross country uh, with my girlfriend. Great experience. Highly recommended. Nice. Yeah. Did you get a chance to do oh, it? It's I, I did so not good. Do that. When I moved out here, oh, yeah, man. really it's so to. worth it, man. But um, there was like a time crunch or whatever. Yep, they just flew me out and sent all my stuff. Yep, Psychonauts has got a shit. I know. <laughs> like, we really need you out here we're right now. We're a second publisher, dog. We need you to start yesterday. <laughs> they were still on the first publisher that, okay. at that time. That, that trip gave me the funniest, like the funniest traveling experience I think ever. And it's sad, but it's it's sad but funny at the same time. Like we were driving through the Dakotas, and and you know the the quickest shot from West Virginia to San Francisco wasn't the way we went, and that was kind right. of the point. It's like oh, okay, like Texas and some of these other states that I. Drive through. I might find occasion to go there another time in my yeah. life. I'm probably not going to drive through South Dakota and Idaho just on, you know, in my normal travel. So, just right. like, let's- so, so we took the northern path and we ended up, you know, coming down through Yellowstone and all that. Oh, yeah. And so that's like I, I want to say, I can't remember if it was Wyoming. I want to say it is a little burg named Lame Deer. Lame Deer. Lame Deer. Yes. I can see that. I don't think that's Wyoming, but I could see a lame deer Idaho. Yeah, Montana, maybe, yeah. maybe. But we were coming through, and it's one of those things where you know we're kind of zoned out, talking, laughing, listening to music, and all that. And I looked down, I was like, "Oh shit, we're just about out of gas." So let's just pull off. And then it dawns on you, you're not on a road that's going to have an exit every mile. So <laughs> yeah. it's like first exit you see, you get off and hope for the best. Yeah. And we pull in, and it's a like really, really sketchy. Um, gas station slash corner store known as Depot Number Two. Um, so we we pull in literally <laughs> Depot Number Two, and so they we, got a real chip on their shoulder about a two. Yeah, man. exactly. Those Depot Number One guys, like they think they're so fucking great. <laughs> Fuck those guys. Pull in and you know go to pay for my gas and stuff. And in in twelve point font, and this is worth mentioning, it's like two two sheets of printer paper that have a list of names, like double columns in twelve point font, two sheets. And and in the top and big bold Helvetica font is banned from the depot for violence and panhandling. So I got my gas and I left and I, I, I don't know that I'll be back to lame deer anytime soon. So, but yeah, see. I like that. They were like, Oh, like, yeah, I never called to this list. Also, who is panhandling exactly. at depot number two? Like, Committing violence at depot number two, I can see it, <laughs> yeah. but like panhandling, I, probably not well, a very high it's traffic area. It's the grouping, like yeah, yeah banned for violence on one sheet, <laughs> banned for panhandling. Oh, it wasn't the same no, people. No, it was okay, a okay, big okay, list under a master title of banned from the depot for violence and panhandling. So there's my my. There's only two things you can get banned from the depot. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Right. That's right. Everything else goes at pure depot theft. Two. Whatever you yeah. can come back, just don't take your stuff. Just but, no yeah. violence. No panhandling now. They're proud people. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, you came out here. Obviously, I guess if if you've been here a year, mm-hmm. it's because the, your esports career was right. on like a fucking meteor. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like honestly, it's that implies that there wasn't as much luck and help involved in it. Like, trust me, it, it was insane. Um, you know, very briefly, I started in StarCraft two actually. Right, I know that. And um, and and cast a StarCraft two for about a year and a half. 
And, um, you know, there's a little anecdote that I'll tell at the end that actually really made me feel very validated mm-hmm. in the fact that I spent as much time as I did on StarCraft. But um, I was working with a little organization known as its Gosu. We had a couple of pro teams that were mid-tier at best. But we were just beginning, you know, I, I pushed real hard in the organization to do more live streaming. And this is back when Justin TV hadn't even split into Twitch yet. Like, right. This is going back. Like, sure. and it's easy to forget how recent that really was in oh, relative yeah. terms. Like, yeah. we streamed on a Justin TV channel. And um, <laughs> the truth of the matter is, I got bored of StarCraft. Like, it, <laughs> there was a day when I woke up and went to play it and... Like, literally, it felt like work the moment I turned it on. And that's a problem. Like, you know, anyone who works sure. in gaming, and you guys, I'm sure, mm-hmm. know as well as anyone, is you have to give yourself some time away from gaming, even if it is your, your number one pastime. Otherwise, you do get into that awful rut. But it was even beyond that. It was just like, this game in particular is bothering me. And I knew it's like, if you're going to be a caster, you got to love the game that you're going to do. So mm-hmm. I went immediately to my boss and said, I'd like to explore other options. And League of Legends and Dota 2, um, not in that order, but uh, Dota 2 was my first choice. Um, but the funny thing is, I actually came very, very close to casting League of Legends before Dota 2. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, because given like where their numbers probably were. Well, sure, it, was, yeah. it wasn't even that. It was it was just scheduling. Like We basically went to some sponsors and we secured a similar amount of money to run two tournaments and I was going to cast them both. Um, at some point, and it just worked out that League of Legends was going to be the first one because the Dota 2, like we were still having trouble getting beta keys at this point. Like this is back when it was super closed. Yeah. And we were all prepped. We had the teams ready. I was all set. I had played League of Legends to level 30. I was certainly nowhere near a great level, but I knew how to yeah. play and mm-hmm. I hoped I'd learn how to talk about it. And this is very early in, uh, in 2012. And had only been playing Dota a very short amount of time. And we go to play, and this is back when League of uh, Riot had no real infrastructure for, mm-hmm. for to be able to run a tournament. It was sure. all just matchmaking. So yeah, you yeah. had to get a private server from them so that you could set teams up to play against each other. And Riot forgot. We literally just didn't have the server. Like, oh, on the day <laughs> of the tournament, they were just like, oh, yeah, sorry, guys. So I was like, all right, screw it. I'll do Dota. And my entire life changed because of that. Whoa, that's yeah. crazy. Um, yeah, wow. I, uh, I had never played a game of Dota until roughly like the end of 2011, beginning of 2012. Um, so January 2012 was when I really started to play hard after the League of Legends uh, tournament collapse. And I was kind of pissed and mm-hmm. I was just screw it. I, and, and I, you know, as I played more Dota, I, you know, even very early on, I was like, I like this a lot better than League to begin with. That's not the knock League. I'm not mm-hmm. one of those people who says, oh, it's terrible because my game's better. Yeah. They're just very different games. Yeah, and yeah. Dota appeals much more to me. Also, those people should slow their fucking roll too. I think, yeah, a little bit, like what, just the league people. <laughs> no, 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 like just like, like the people that like like so many people treat it like a um, you know, like the console wars and like mm. the the league versus Dota. It's just like I, I, man, there's feel like there's less of that lately. I think the role is being slowed. I yeah, bit. I yeah. think I think you're right. I think you're I right. I think people yeah. just sort of like they're. It's it feels made, like we can have both. It's been made obvious that we can have both. Yeah. yeah. I think that actually changed in, in large part after the success of TI3. Um, the fact TI3. that. Yep, oh after God, the, yeah. you know, it, there was. Uh, yeah, I could talk about this. There was a controversy with DreamHack when I was at DreamHack Summer last year where League of Legends had this big stage and the Dota tournament was literally tucked under like the bleachers of the stage. Sure. Like that's literally, you know, you could not get more, more inflammatory imagery, let alone yeah, the reality yeah. of it. But yeah, with TI3 sporting the biggest prize pool in esports history at the time and all that, I think a lot of the, um, a lot of that was motivated for some people, whether they wanted to admit it or not, by little brother syndrome. And I think that went away at TI3. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be those folks. We all know that. But, um, but I think, I think you're right. I think for the most part, that has slowed down, um, yeah. considerably. But, um, back to what it's I was saying. So funny. Sorry, not to interrupt. No, you. you're fine. How many things went right with TI3 mm-hmm. when it came to 
just the growth of the tournament and also just sort of the narrative of the tournament. You know, like <clears throat> Navi being this team, this like perennial finalist. Right. And being also the most like I mean, you could there's an argument that they're the most charismatic, that they're the most oh, yeah. sort of like, you know, they're the fan favorite mm-hmm. and they're fun to watch, but they're also like they're okay to watch lose. They lose well. You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? Like they just that's, have like a, that's an excellent point. And you know that's I mean? also like, it's not like, just root for them. It's and not when just they lose, like inside like, yeah. the game. Like they lose well inside the game and they also lose well outside yeah. the game when yeah. they're like, I, yeah, they're just, like I, there's really no really gracious, like, like generous guys with their mm-hmm. spirits. <laughs> I don't know how else yeah. to And it just seems, so I don't, like to watch it just seems so yeah. obvious that they're like really good they're excellent losers. Yeah. You know, excellent losers. Top of the game when they lose. like the mm-hmm. narrative of TI3 along with the prize pool. Like, I remember... Also, it had, we, it had everything. I was there. It had Are everything you? that you want a, a bracket to have. Oh like, oh, yeah. it had Cinderella story with uh, Orange and, mm-hmm. like, Mushi just, like, with such a ridiculous standout performance. And then you had, like, yeah, the fan favorites making it all the way to the finals. And you had, like, the... I mean, I... Alliance is amazing, and they were they kind of went they in were, as the yeah. favorite, and they yeah. went all the way to the finals. And yep. so, they had the I mean, people were, people really like them. People really like them. It's not like they were they yeah. were like cast as the villain in it, but they right. were the ones to beat, and they were at, they I, went all the way to the end. On Alliance smiled until they fucking won. <laughs> yeah. like, you know what I mean? They, they definitely. Remember, you're right. I had the tiger. Absolutely. And Alliance just kicked a shit out of somebody. I mean, it was like <laughs> day one, like day the one of the first big, the first big day of the tournament. Yeah. And I was standing there, and they we were watching it. They were out and like on stage, and they come backstage. Like they just gotten a prison yard beat down and are just washing blood off their knuckles. Like <laughs> I was just like those guys are gonna win. <laughs> like those guys are gonna fucking win. Like and they looked like that for four days. It was crazy. It was it was an incredible, yeah. incredible tourney. And that was like I had just seen some of TI two in passing. Not you know I had just been playing the game for a few months and mm-hmm. wasn't really sure what I was seeing. And that was when it was still during PAX, right? So right. I just came over from PAX and saw a couple of things yeah. and was like really impressed by the energy and stuff. But but TI3 just being its own event, its own thing, and like going there and like hanging out with my brother for like the whole thing um, was just so rad and amazing. And yeah, I think that you're right. When you, that was really like the definitive point where it's like, okay, this is here to stay. Like, right. this is going to be. We're our own thing. Big, yeah. And it's well, its own. It's its what own was game. it like to cast your first international match inside Benaroya? Like, when you walked in and were like, oh, fuck. I could do you one better. I could do you one better, man. And this actually, you know, comes back around to, you know, me just, you know, talking, talking about my story and coming up. Um, I had never, I had never casted a game of Dota 2 until March of 2012. And that summer I was at the International yeah. 2. Wow. It was insane. Um, it was like it, it, that entire span from the, the conclusion of our very first tournament, which was it's Gosu's Monthly Madness. It wasn't long after that Ice Frog added me to Skype. And that's a weird feeling. Like, <laughs> to be honest, like, <laughs> oh, you have a friend request. Oh, it's Ice Frog. Um, he asked me to be a part of the event. I had never casted a live event ever. Um, whenever, like uh, for esports, anyway. Sure. Uh, so the international two was my very first live appearance on stage Holy as an crap, esports cast. I think I was probably there. <laughs> I went to a lot of Ti two, lot more than I went to Ti three because I was I got married that weekend. Mm-hmm. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think I was probably there. That's really that nice. is crazy. So you were kind of uh, who were you casting with? Yeah. Who was Draskel? Draskel. Um, yeah, Draskel and I. We don't. We haven't casted pretty much at all together since um, DreamHack. 
uh, summer going back to last year. You know, he's doing a great work over at the Dream League and uh-huh. um, all of those guys. You are, guys are were pretty, you guys were like, yeah, we came up together for a long time. Yeah, we came up together and uh, things just kind of, you know, led us in different paths in our lives. You know, mm-hmm. he, he was, I, I never really wanted to move to Europe. Um, I was very much a big believer in the strength of the North American scene. Um, you know, I'm kind of, you come from a small town, small area like West Virginia. I'm willing to move across the country, but I'm not willing to go that far away. Um, you know, I want to be able to cut yeah, the, the seas rough. Yeah. And you know, I totally relate to that. That's like, I feel like this is about as far as I really kind yeah. of want to go yep. pretty far. Well, it's weird. It's like, whenever you think about distances, just the way things are now, it's like everything, like you think about like car drive, like driving a car to and from a place and then taking a plane. It's like basically once you get like four or five hours car ride away from your home, then the West Coast is basically that exact same distance in terms of travel time and travel expense. And that's right. kind of how I justify it. It's like if I got a call right now, I could be at SFO in half an hour and be home in five hours if right. I wanted to be. Yeah. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, he, he wanted to go to Europe. He uh, hooked on with the, the good studio. They, again, do great work. The fan favorites for a reason. Just fantastic yeah. guys. I'd- yeah, those guys are just like, I love the level of corniness that they bring oh, to yeah. it as well. Like, it's nice. I, I think it's really cool that uh, they do have a level of production values that are like great. And it's cool that they respect that. And, and then, but they're also able to like bring some like, you know, kind of mm-hmm. kind of wackiness to it as well. Like, right. I like that they know that it should be entertaining. You know, it's, you know, they are providing entertainment and like it is supposed to be an entertaining thing but right. they're also very serious about it at the same time i really like that it's awesome yeah that's the way james even describes it is the the idea that we've got all this stuff that makes us look professional but none of us know what we're doing <laughs> like that, that that's kind of the, the the aura they put off but obviously they do know what they're doing yeah yeah for sure and uh, the, all of their uh, accolades are very well earned so but yeah since then um Draskel and i did ti3 together and uh, not sure what's going to be going on with TI four to be honest. Like, yeah, this, have they has Valve contacted any of the casters or anybody? I can to- I can only speak for myself. Is you know I still don't know. Um, I don't know about anyone else. And it's one of those things as the event gets bigger and the scene gets bigger, inevitably people are going to get left out. And mm-hmm. I obviously hope it's not me. Um, but if it is, I'll still be there regardless. It's, you know, and that's kind of like, you know, just a little inside stuff. There is a level of anxiety that comes with a lot of these big events for us, um, for us being uh, professional casters in the studios and all that. It's because we can all create these doomsday scenarios where they invite three casting tandems and you're on the outside looking in. And, sure. and it, you know, I remember last year, this year's a little bit better and I'm not even sure why I think it's just because, you know, I know I'm going to be there regardless because I'm going to go and going to be going with EG and, mm-hmm. and all that. But to the best of my knowledge, I personally don't have any idea what they're going to be doing so far as the, the full-time casting pairs. It was right around this time last year. Uh, that Valve uh, got in touch, or Ice Frog more accurately got in touch with all of us and invited us. But I'm hoping I'm going to be there and expecting to be there. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. <laughs> That's not really all I can say. How many casters were at TI3? Like how many pairs? Six. six. There, were, there were six. Three six yeah, three yeah, pairs. Cool. So um, in terms of how they're going to run the tournament, and I mean, it, it works out workload-wise to do it that way. It ends up being the equivalent of two best of threes um, a day for each casting pair. But mm-hmm. who knows? I mean, like the format, maybe they do something different. Maybe um, they add more side stuff, and that's always a possibility if they end up adding like extra all-star matches or a one-on-one tournament or, or you know, all these sure, different sure. things. And, you know, everyone's kind of waiting patiently and anticipation um, anticipation of like the compendium, like they did last year. And then they had all these stretch goals and all that is yet to be revealed. So who knows? I mean, for all we know, they're probably still forming the plan, like as we speak and for sure. But it's like, you look at it. I mean, it's, it's may it's like the thing is in mid July. Like there's not a whole lot of time left before that, but, um, 
We're gonna. Oh, I'm totally on. Did I tell you? How I'm totally I, did on. I tell you how? I also, I heard I about you how, talking about it, and I'm I'm, I'm here to I'm yeah. here to give you shit about it. You no, were all like, you're like, I'm gonna go for one day. I can afford one day. I'm gonna go for one day. You're gonna go for the whole thing. And <laughs> I'm it's not gonna, gonna be go fine. for Thursday, Friday. The world will. And keep it's also spinning. finals are on Monday this year. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. You're right. That's crazy. Because it was a scheduling thing with the arena. All right. Um, so maybe like, Saturday, so Sunday, Monday. Take one day. They're just like pulling everything down. <laughs> <laughs> There's a WNBA team, I guess, that plays there. But um, yeah. No, I'm gonna go up for the weekend. Well, I wasn't gonna go. You're gonna go. And then I got, awesome. I got peer pressure to the fucking max. <laughs> so mm. now I'm definitely going. You're going. Yeah. It's gonna be great. Yeah. So I'll be. If you're gonna go for one day, you gotta go for all, man. It, it's so condensed now, and that yeah. that and that's kind of the thing too, is like regarding the casting pairs. Well, and my in-laws live there, so I can just like oh, that's I have a awesome. Come on, and man. I have like transportation and like I bet they have swing. Uber, just Uber from the in-laws to the, they to, to the they, arena. Well, my my father-in-law's retired now, so you can just pick pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> just give, give me a little lunch with my name right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Have fun. Have fun have at fun the tournament today, <laughs> Sean. <laughs> Um, it's lasagna night. AC. So <laughs> I want to talk about the radio voice. I feel like I feel like you bring a level of gravitas when you're when you're casting that is like, you know, a lot of times they'll pair you up with somebody who is just sort of like, you know, the excited nerd who's like really excited about Dota and yeah, and it's like and it's like you're bringing this like really professional grade voice to it. Like how much, like where where does that come from? Do your parents have velvety? <laughs> you know, dulcet tones, or uh, yeah, and how much do you think it's from like a long line your, of, from a long line of like, people. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's odd. It's uh, until like I worked in radio before, obviously, right. and I, I, you know, going in the fact that they hired me, I got hired to work in radio when I was eighteen years old. Um, and honestly, I applied for the job almost on a lark and was like, there never, there's no way. Like, I sound like a man. What's the <laughs> it wasn't even that. It was just more like, man, college is coming soon. I'd rather have a part-time job over the summer that is like mm-hmm. awesome right. instead of, you know, going to work for the damn state road and shovel things that no one wants to shovel. But, uh, that golden time. <laughs> that time and a half. Yeah, but, oh, exactly. State employees, man. Yep. The, gig. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry, the, no, the, the flag holders. Yeah. yeah that's dude, everybody. That every kid's dream that job. Time, that's you're it. like, you're like Yep. 17 you're making $29 an hour because they're like time double time yep. double and a half $12 an hour to do this like, they, no one can see I'm motioning to a ca- oh, camera that God, doesn't no. exist you're really crafting a fiction here <laughs> I think you know what, what happens if you get hit by the dump truck you pay day <laughs> <laughs> that's state money state money yeah <laughs> but um like I well one it's odd when I, whenever I go home um and I visit family if I pick up the house phone in my parents house my father and I sound so much alike that people who call think I'm him. And it's happened before. Yeah, that, that could be convenient around, you know, <laughs> well, I'll tell high you what, school, late <laughs> high school time. One of my friends actually embarrassed the hell out of himself once. I hadn't spoken to him. Like, you know, this is um, when I wasn't even living there anymore, but he was still living in the hometown. I was living in Morgantown, West Virginia. And I hadn't seen him or talked to him a whole lot in like three or four months. And he knew I was coming into town and I actually was home, but I was in the shower and my father answered and uh, my buddy, like, you know, just buddy stuff, like starts cursing him out. Like, it was like, you son of a bitch. How, how can you not call my ass? And dad, <laughs> my dad's like, so Kino, you need to talk to Aaron, right? <laughs> he was so embarrassed. But um, the reason I bring that up is no one ever told, like, before I started working in radio, no one ever told me I had a good voice. And uh, They were too intimidated. Oh, yeah, I'm sure yeah. that's it. Um, it's like the hot girl in school that nobody tells her. It's really pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know, I'm ugly. It's like, no, people are scared shitless of you. <laughs> you 
god, you, you look like a goddess. <laughs> but um, yeah, so like he never he had never really been told that before. But you know, my father was a, a chef, but he also um, a preacher man. He, you know, was an ordained minister and all that. So he did public speaking, and I'm sure I oh, picked man. up something from that. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, man. But the definitely just like speaking from here, probably. Oh yeah, projecting, yeah, projecting. Gut, yeah, uh, and there's actually it's if you listen to me. And you don't really hear it on a lot of studio broadcasts because, as you guys probably – I'm sure you guys know, uh, there's a nice little piece of hardware or, uh, I guess, software or whatever called a de-esser mm-hmm. that softens S's. But in person, I have a very, very slight lisp. And mm-hmm. like, I know sometimes you could pick it up on broadcast depending on if the de-esser is tuned or not. And that's because I was actually born tongue-tied. And I didn't know that um, until like I was in my teens until I just started to notice my frenulum lingue is so tight that you literally can't see it if I lift my tongue. Huh. So what I think a lot of it came down to is when I started working radio, um, the guys I worked with that were training me noticed it immediately. We're like, okay, you've got a, you, you've got a good deep voice, but we, we got to get rid of that. So to compensate for it, I have to project more because it's more of an effort for me to move my tongue and to make hard sounds and to make S sounds. Yeah. Uh, whoa. So it, it ended up being a situation where it's just like all these weird little things just kind of played in together. And I, and honestly, when I listen to myself recordings of myself now, I don't even like the way I sound. <laughs> I, I don't. It's just, I, I just sound like to me, a, a hick who's trying to, to make people forget he has a lisp. And that's probably how I'll always view it. So, <laughs> oh man, that's horrible. <laughs> oh, Cause I think that, I mean, I don't know if I'm speaking for everybody, I'm certainly speaking for you, but I think people really enjoy. You know, people really enjoy your voice, and I think yeah, it's a big, I feel like it's a big if you, draw. If you wrote, if you like Googled, like if you're at AC and then you hit space and then you put the letter V, it'd be like <laughs> voice is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> voice <laughs> is complete. Voice makes me makes me cry solitary tears. <laughs> I listen to it, but it does. I really I, like I that to, it to put myself in the mood. <laughs> it does. It does feel so professional. It adds a level like like esports well, in general. To, yeah. Like, and I I would love to get your opinion on this. Is that I think that. Esports is it has this uphill battle of like trying to prove itself to people that don't look at it as like real competition or real sports or real anything. You know, they just kind of look at that and be like, what? Like it's, you know, basically anybody that I know that doesn't even play games like, man, you talk about the ultimate hard sell to somebody like that. But even people that play games, they're just like they kind of some of them think it's just like really ridiculous that it's too that far. It's happening. Yeah. It's just like they just kind of look at it and it just kind of judge it really hard, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like things like um, the production values of like of like T.I. Like that. Uh, I love I talk- that. It's just I was so talking to Remo and he was saying that it's all classy. it's all from yeah. uh, the masters. You know, they try to make it super classy. Yeah, it's right. all like all their marketing stuff. materials are like yeah. based off of the masters. And it's, you know, that nice script font. And like mm-hmm. they're trying to bring more professionalism and legit like legitimize it. And I, I just man, I so I, I think that your voice and like the casters that, that are trying to be super pro, like I really appreciate just that. Just you guys carry yourself. That it's man. just like, it's like legit. And a lot of the way the teams do, the thing that still bugs me is like um, all the handles that, you know, the players use and yeah. oh, really? also the way yeah, it does. Oh, I don't know. I kind of like it. It's part I of like, the culture. I like, I like hearing it is, I like it hearing is. this like, like Aaron you, like, <laughs> so professionally like say the name like ice 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 yeah <laughs> i love it like it's just like it's like, like jiggle belly yeah he <laughs> hugs jiggle belly with a huge play in mid yeah, yeah. it's fluff is a good one. Yeah. yeah fluff and stuff oh man <laughs> yeah way too sexy i don't know man. Yeah, there are some I think that, navi's oh. actually got the perfect dislike yep. they have all like very 
like pronounceable, different sounding, yeah. direct name. I mean, puppy's the one silly one, right? Mm-hmm. But like, Havost is a fucking cool name. It does bring it. It, it does bring it yeah. down though. Like it is a it is a right. thing that, and I understand the reason why it's there. Like part of the culture, it's right. like been that way forever. Like all these things. But it, I, I think that when you do talk about like legitimizing it, it's I would love you it. Actually, wish they went by their last names. Yes, so, like Dandy was just like Ishton. Like yeah, <laughs> they just went by their yeah. yeah. Like, I mean like because because again, it's like you know you're you're what trying about, like, to make it though. They call Aaron. You know what I mean? What about like, what about like, I think it's, names that like, yeah. I think when it's used sparingly and when they're also yeah. like, you know, derivations of somebody's name, like AC, it's fine. You know, it's like, cool, no problem. But right. when it's like, everybody's got a weird nickname that has nothing to do with their name. And, and a lot of them come from, well, I would imagine that a lot of them come from like, you know, oh, I came up with this nickname when I was 14. Yeah. And guess what? Now that you're 23 and trying to be a pro, it doesn't like sound that Part good. Part of it's got to be a little <laughs> helpful, though, the fact that you can like, you don't have to, like you get a team like IG. It's like, okay, pronounce all of their names perfectly the entire yeah. time. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So, like, a lot of them are like, nice enough Juan's to just be numbers. You can get it. Yeah. Just be numbers. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I, I worked in China for, sorry. No, go ahead. Side. I worked in China for like nine months. Um, and the names of my team were, uh, um, well, three of them that were the best, or two of them that were the best were Penny, because he was a big Anthony Hardaway fan. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, nice. oh, Penny <laughs> Hardaway. And this girl named Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> she just went by Eleven? Eleven. The yeah, little sister amazing. of 13 from House. Yeah, she's a fucking assassin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I think that's fucking cool. I don't know. I like that, like, me personally, and this isn't even in esports, like, like what you choose to call yourself, I think is so like fascinating. And I think like an entire like competitive culture where your name is associated with your performance and then being able to choose that is really cool. I don't like it when they like get like they start like there are some players out there who like continually switch their handles. Yeah. And then you guys are pretty yes. good about just like calling them their de facto. Handle. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie. It's an annoyance. It has to the, be. All of us hate it. And yeah. it, it becomes an issue because like, especially like there's so much content right something now on Saturday that was, oh, I was listening to you. Oh, it it's always somebody like, yeah. I, I don't mind it so much. If, if, if it's someone who generally uses one or two handles, they switch between. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, cause w- when you're calling the action, you know, it, no matter how familiar with it, you are, you cue, like if something big happens, you're, it's still very difficult to always immediately just know by looking at the hero who's on it, especially like I was right. support actually play. just thinking that like I was, cause yeah. I went and watched like, again, I was watching, I, I watched pro stuff pretty often but i was watching this weekend knowing that we were going to talk right and i can't believe how good you are at that like you look you're looking at fucking dragon knight but you're calling him mag or whoever who's playing mm-hmm. him you know like it's how do you do that that part seems crazy to me yeah like i'm <laughs> like watching that like i like, I, mean, I can barely so do it with my own follow. team when i'm playing it's yeah. it, it can be tricky um it's a lot of times like it's really easy to do with definitive heroes. Like over time, you cast these guys enough. Like right. if I see EG run Darkseer, there's only one person who's going to be on that Darkseer every game. It's going to be Universe. Sure. Right. If I see EG use uh, run a tree, it's going to be a PPD tree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you see a quintessential mid, a Storm Spirit, I'm going to know it's Dindy if if right. Robbie's in that game. Period. Sure. Um, but you know, it's whenever whenever you're trying to call the action quickly, especially you. It's one of those things like. 
casting a big team fight is is really an odd thing. The most disruptive thing in this, I promise, this comes back around to the no, point. No, no, whatever. But we have nowhere to be. Yeah. <laughs> I, to I, I just don't yeah. want to because I'm getting ready to launch into like the value of sound. Right. Um, but it's the same thing with this because it's all kind of generating a gestalt of what's going on around you all at once and trying to pick all these things up. The most disruptive thing that ever happened to me in a live broadcast um, was my headphones uh, not being or going out or not being on. It is impossible to accurately cast the team fight. And you, do, and you know, like you, how important the sound cues are, but when you're trying to analyze, like, cause you know, in a team fight, you're kind of, as you go, some things are more important than others. And you start to talk about one thing and maybe then you start to hear Sand King charges old. Mm-hmm. And even though your camera's not on it, you know it's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you, you know, interrupt yourself and go, oh, Sand King and whatever. When the sound goes out in your headphones as a caster, it's impossible. Like you're, yeah, you're literally. more than half your information. Yeah. Oh, yeah. much more. Yeah. And it's the same thing with like player names. Like uh, in these big team fights, you're, you're calling information so quickly that it's, it's very common. You just kind of glance at a name. And, you know, that annoys casters, too, by the way, um, not just when they change their handle, but whenever they they do goofy stuff like like put heart someone at sure. the end of it, because you get into a pattern of looking at the second half of a person's name if you want to call that very quickly. And then right. it's like you call them like Minship or something like that. <laughs> like, and I, I and, you know, sorry, Minship, but truth is, like, for the longest time, <laughs> she was in somebody's like, and I know her. She was um like, I want to say it was many, many, I'm pretty sure, like mm-hmm. had like heart Minship at the end of, at the end of his name for ever and i it just got to a point where i almost called him midship as much as i called him many <laughs> but yeah it's it, it's a challenge and you know even even you, know, you it's like anything else you have good days you have bad days like some days you're just on and you know it and you get it all and some days you're just kind of like it's like you know after you after a team fight it's like i missed three things there that i should have called and you right. know it and you, you just got to move on right. but yeah players run your real freaking tags please <laughs> can, you, can you make it I, easy did i see something i i, I didn't really scrutinize the patch notes but is there some change that they're implementing about uh in tournaments it's like your name will be locked in and that's it for yep. this tourney that seems awesome like, yeah except like it's good- not because of the players like either didn't change their names or put in troll names and now they're permanently locked to names that still aren't the real names yeah uh it's amazing i don't know but the, the team fight casting aspect is like I actually, the two things I appreciate the most are sort of like the uh, like at opposite poles. One is how much information you're able to convey in the three seconds of a team fight. Uh, God, they're doing this thing now on YouTube where if you watch a lot of Dota on YouTube, they'll do ads that are like just highlights from a Dota match. And there was mm-hmm. one with you yesterday that I watched. Oh, really? It was like I was trying to watch a motorcycle. Like a th- I'm doing some work on my motorcycle. I'm like I'm trying to watch a how to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the ad is maybe f- I can't remember what it was for. But you were casting um, EG Alliance, and there was like, I think, and there was like a black hole OD crazy fucking team white <laughs> combo. And you said the funniest thing. It was just beautiful. It was like, Wah! at the end, I can't remember what it See, was. See, this is news like, to me. That's hilarious. I had no idea I was being run in YouTube ads. Yeah, like, well, they're crazy. They're di- whatever channel. Maybe, maybe it was for EG. Yeah, it might like, be. I like, think a lot, of the, a lot of the outlets now are doing like. Like, I know uh, Beyond the Summit does them, mm-hmm. where it's like, if you like watching Dota, they want you to go to their YouTube channel and watch right. Dota there, so they'll show you, like, a 30-second highlight of, mm-hmm. like, a sick black hole. Usually. Right, right. And then it, this the logo comes up at the end. Mm-hmm. What is, like, it's a great ad, but the so point I, is, is um, oh, the, uh, just so I can finish my thought, is that what you can do in three seconds, and then what you can what you have to do in the 10-minute team pick mm-hmm. moment? Because, like... 
it's a lot of filler. It's a lot of analysis. It's a lot of, sort Man, of a chess that, game of it. I wanted to talk about that yeah. part. The whole captain's mode in general. Like, I feel like a lot of, I, I don't know how casual or professional our audience is when it comes to Dota, but like, I'm not good. And like, <laughs> I don't play captain's mode. And mostly when I'm seeing it, I'm watching it. And I feel like it's just. It's crazy. It, it, I mean, it's like you're looking at the most, the, the best players in the game, analyzing the one of the most complicated games ever made, and then all of these, like you know, there's a hundred choices, and they're only going to make, you know, twenty of them or whatever, right. fifteen. I forget the exact number, Sorry, but the, you know, 20. yeah, it's yeah. like they're going to make you know twenty picks and bands out of a hundred, and the just everything lines up. And the thing that shocks me is that. You guys nail it a lot of times. I mean, sometimes it's like, okay, we think it's maybe one of these heroes. Nope, then, random acts. And then they, they just, yeah, you're just like, okay, oh, I guess they, huh. huh, I guess they're going with Spirit Breaker for this one. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, but a lot of times it's like, yeah, we think that they'll probably go with this, probably pick up their mid here. Mm-hmm. How do you go about like, like starting to learn that? Is it just like watching a lot of pro games and, and whatever? Or like, is there another. I don't know. Honestly, like whenever it comes to like draft analysis and in general game analysis, that's really like what I can add is just value added. Like that's not like my, my gig really. And, um, never, and, and to be honest, most of the criticism I face is, you know, when I do analyze, um, I do it on a very base level and that's kind of how I view my role in a broadcast is, and you know, there's always going to be people who prefer like two pros who are literally just doing nothing but just theory crafting for 60 minutes sure. and mm-hmm. then yelling at the top of their lungs, whatever team fight happens. And that's great. You know, that's part of the fan base. That's cool. That's not the fan base that I'm ever really yeah. going to serve because it's not what I want to do. Um, so I can only answer your questions within my own no, realm, no, within my own limitations. But like for me, a lot of it literally was just casting. Like you see pro teams, you know, you watch and, and cast, you know, a uh, half dozen games a day like I did for a long time. And on if I get my way, I still do now. I, I love a busy schedule. And you just start, you start to learn tendencies of teams. And um, there's always the prevailing metagame. You know, uh, what what heroes have, have professionals recognized are maybe a little stronger than they were the patch before. Maybe mm-hmm. there's a dimension to them that they know how to abuse better than another team. And um, you can look at, you know, the most recent patch. Like Ember Spirit was permaban, even though his win rate is kind of shaky. Um, he got nerfed a bit. Now there there are games that he's not. He's neither pick nor ban. Lycan, on the other hand, has stayed a very strong pick. And and you know, so there's always the meta game involved in that. But a lot of it is just like you can kind of break it down in your head as to what what a team is focusing on with their picks and their bands. Like the first set of bands, whatever you know, that's just generally going to be one or two value bands, like a Lycan band or something like that, just because you know he's strong all around. And then if you know the team that you're playing very well, as almost all these teams do, then you just ban something you know they're exceptional with. Some yeah. like targeted bands where you're right. like, okay, like you know, we can't give bulldog profit. Or something. Yeah, yeah, right, right. exactly. So something like that. Um, usually by the time the first pick phase is done, you can kind of begin to see, I mean, and some teams intentionally remain ambiguous in what they're doing. Like they draft a certain way, um, that it's hard to really suss out what direction they're going. But a lot of times you can look, it's like, okay, they picked up two extremely strong lane supports that that excel in an offensive tri lane. You can begin to talk about that. It's like, okay, now what carry or semi-carry would fit in well with this? And how is that going to match up against what we see here? For example, um, if you see, like like to me, uh, something I love running with my friends right now is Dazzle, Shadow Demon, Marana in an aggressive trialing. It's disgusting. You you disrupt. Yeah. I hit the arrow off of it, and then you shadow wave into the illusions and uh, and the Shadow Demon that is hopefully standing next to it. And you can 100 to 0 someone very quickly. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you see a Shadow Demon and a Dazzle. 
Uh, both of those heroes, Shadow Demon more so than the Dazzle, but especially with the Marana, that's, there's a ton of roam potential there. So then you would look and go, okay, have they picked their mid? Is this a mid that has an escape? Is this a mid that's easy to gank? Is this a mid that is susceptible to pressure? Um, and then you can, you know, you just kind of go from there. You begin to look at all the other factors as they emerge. And again, that's certainly not my forte, but it's something that um, all casters do. Um, and a lot of it comes down to, you know, not just theory crafting. It's like, well, they need push. So there's a certain set of heroes that fit into a push lineup and all this. You also factor in what I said before, like teams just have good players on certain heroes. Like um, if, if you see Navi going for a big team fight, kind of a, kind of a lineup and they haven't picked their mid yet, you're going to think Magnus and Puck for S4 because those are signature marquee heroes for him. Whereas almost, well, Magnus, almost no one plays in period anymore except for S4. And you would maybe not posture like that if it was another team that was looking for a team fighting mid. So, you know, and it just kind of putting all these factors together, just experience. And, and for me personally, learning a lot from my co-casters, the guys who are the pro players, who are on that level of understanding and analysis, just picking up knowledge from them. Like they, as they teach the viewers uh, across these years, I've been learning too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. When you were coming up, like, did you, were you, big into sports did you like sports casting is that like a big inspiration for you uh yeah i did a little bit of sports casting i can actually say the first live competition i ever broadcasted for radio was little league baseball <laughs> <laughs> literally awesome. it was awesome but um but yeah I, I was always pretty big into sports um like now I, I i hate that i live in the bay area and have yet to go see a 49 the 49ers play the warriors play the, I, I grew up a raiders fan and didn't uh-huh. catch the raiders last year and that breaks my heart yeah but well, yeah. they're not going anywhere. <laughs> they're yeah. playing that shit pile. <laughs> I love going to the Oakland. To go to, I go to a lot of A's games. Yeah, I go to a lot. I mean, I go to a lot of baseball games. Period. Oh, it breaks my heart. It's you know, yeah. Ti four qualifiers. By the way, of course, are scheduled on the week that my favorite baseball team comes to town to play the Giants. Oh, the, the Braves. The Braves. Yes, the Braves. Yeah, it makes sense. Just sort of your East Coast TBS. Mm-hmm. You grew up. They were yep. always like perennial. Con- they were like fourteen posters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that. Didn't go super deep. Only one one World yeah, Series. But, but damn it, they were on, always yes. playing in October. So you could always watch them play. Yep. Yeah. I so. had people in my high school were Braves fans in Wyoming. Yep. Yeah. Because of that. That's interesting. Yep. So, yeah. but all that aside, yeah, I was. I grew up a sports fan, not like super fan. Um, growing up in West Virginia, um, and this um, continues to today. I'm actually a much bigger college athletics fan than yeah, I am professional yeah. I mean, yeah. because we don't have any pro teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so our college right, teams right. are the equivalent that of our sense. pro teams. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I went to WVU. Um, you mm-hmm. know, an alumnus of WVU. Gino Smith. Gino Smith. Yeah, I knew Gino actually. Yeah, yeah. I knew Gino. Knew Pac Man. Yeah. I, I had a couple of uh, <laughs> awesome. Oh God. man, make AC, it rain, AC, sir. Yeah, AC and Pac Man in the club is like my fucking favorite. <laughs> like, like I was in a I, w- I was in a few clubs when Pac Man was there. I was. Some 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 taboo elements. See, Pac-Man, he's, you know, does that annoy me? I don't know. Adam Pac-Man Jones. Did he, they did call him he, Pac-Man Jones. I know. Did he pick that for himself? No, I think that just not. sort of was like, I think that's probably was goes back to his like pre-high school days. Like his like, oh yeah, his like eight, like junior high. But football. it's not like, but see, he's it's not, like, bop, bop. he's like, he like, he's not playing on a team with Galaga and Centipede. And mm. you know, it's like, it's like there's one guy named Pac-Man Jones and then everybody else has like a normal name and it's yeah. fine, you know? <laughs> so yeah, that's you know. I think that's very Alago Romo illustrious <laughs> Tony Hubert Kaepernick <laughs> Tony Leisure Suit Larry Romo God Tony Leisure is a good name <laughs> that is such a poor like name the dude. guy ever Tony yeah. Leisure oh man anyway uh, yeah that makes sense I mean mm. I like um yeah I mean WVU's always been like 
a contender in whatever. Yeah. They're in, I guess in the ACC. No, ACC. no, no. We're in the Big Twelve now. Big Twelve. We were in the, we were in the Big East, and now I don't even. I can't even get into what happened there. Like the yeah, All American the Conference, like and yeah, oh, man, yeah, everything East. is crazy it's, with that. Like yeah. I think it's like the Big Twelve has ten teams, and the Big Ten has twelve teams <laughs> yep. now. Hilarious. I yep. just, twelve. It's I don't understand yeah. anything. It, it's rough. Um, we, but yeah, like we were, like you said, we we're always kind of contenders, and you know, we're always. It's one of those things. Like the state takes so much pride, um, yeah. and the reason. Reason is, and until recently, I mean, our teams have gotten good enough that it, you know, it's not really as true as it once was. But um, well, one, our, our the university itself is composed so largely of West Virginia residents, mm-hmm. which is not true of many colleges, especially um, many colleges that are that have athletics programs yeah. that go to the Final Four, like we did going back, you know, I guess what is it, six years ago now, mm-hmm. something like that, or uh, have a chance to play in a title game. And I can't even tell you how drunk I got when we lost the pit that year. Um, <laughs> that was a horrible night. Horrible. <laughs> I actually yelled at my boss that night. I was so mad. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was bad. Um, but yeah, so, it, you know, and then that's, you know, we can talk all the time. Like you said, you're right. coming from Wyoming and all this, and everyone has their own hometown pride, but um, it really is a, a sense of community uh, that mm-hmm. comes with it. Like, you know, come hell or high water. And it's funny, you kind of, you kind of made mention of it a little bit. It's like, if I make fun of West Virginia, it's fine, but nobody else should. Right. Like, it's like, right. That, that's how that totally. works. Yeah, totally. Like Adam Carolla was talking on his podcast recently about that. It's like the only place you can do that is LA. You go to mm-hmm. LA and you're like, fuck LA. Like, yeah. yeah, it sucks here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, if you go to like, again, West you go somebody like West right. Virginia proud people go to Chicago and you're like you know what fuck Chicago but you're not leaving yeah <laughs> exactly yeah. but yeah. um you know just to kind of bring this all full circle you know that's why esports in a lot of ways appeals to me is yeah. and, and you know it is it is funny how much overlap there is there like we all make fun of ourselves we all call ourselves nerds and flame each other and all that right. but the moment some comedian or some like major media head talks about negative aspects of gaming culture like you know fuck that dude or just man. like when somebody yeah. says like esports no I'm like actually no it's super interesting hey, <laughs> like, no really fascinating stuff if i'm not mistaken you know what the number four overall consumer on a day-to-day basis of global bandwidth is as of I, i'm pretty sure it's number four like it what, must be esports is twitch what twitch yeah it's like it's crazy it's ridiculous and yeah like and this is kind of coming talking about something you brought up a second ago um the, the if there is an issue that I think esports faces now, it's no longer being accepted as its own thing and, and not an oddity. I think mm-hmm. it's at it, that point a critical mass has been hit. Yeah, it's and, that point is and now it's all about mass consumption and how 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 well you can package this product to sell to people who would not normally be looking to buy this product. And that's right. always you know that's a normal stage of growth of any business. You, right. know? you can always appeal to a niche community if you're good at if you're good at what you do. But how do you take it from that level to what we all want it to be? Which which is a billion, multi-billion dollar industry on the on the level of say a prof- another professional sport, right. the NHL, you know, even tennis, golf, whatever else. And there, are, you know, that's kind of when I got into esports. Um, that was really what I where I wanted to fit into things. Like I was a broadcaster first and a gamer second. Still am. I, I love to entertain. I love to be behind a microphone. Um, I love games, and I actually uh, sold my business, sold back my shares, of my business, to my partners that I owned at that time in my life. Because I just wasn't enjoying running a business and instead wanted to do something that I was actually passionate about. What did I love? What was I passionate about? Broadcasting and gaming. And that's why I got into esports. Yeah. You're and- so lucky to have been born when you were born. <laughs> you know <laughs> what does- I mean? Like you're like really like all of you guys, like the very like small handful of really like just very professional, like top of the game casters are like like the luckiest people just mm-hmm. for the time. I mean, obviously, like, I mean, luck is, I mean, success is like 
the ability to capitalize on an opportunity and you guys are obviously doing it, but like, there's no other, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. it's so exciting. Cause like, if you'd say, you know, the kid wakes up today and wants to be like, Oh, I really just want to be, you know, I want to take Vin Scully's job, you know, mm-hmm. one day, yeah. you know, I mean, he's 90 now or whatever, 85, <laughs> but, um, that's sort of a known path, you know, like, yeah. Oh, I'm going to be, I want to be the voice of the Colorado Rockies. You right. Know? Like, cool. Great. Like there's a path for you. And it's a very entrenched you have no idea kind of where industry, this is going right? to be. You know? Right. It's so exciting. It's well, so, and we all took rad. such a weird path to get here too. Like yeah. when you look into the history of the casters, like, Oh, just, uh, before I forget the anecdote I was going to tell, like I casted Starcraft two for, um, like I said, about a year and a half and toiled in obscurity for the vast majority of it. Like literally at one point, just to try and get practice as much as anything else was casting like bronze league Starcraft two matches in like a $50 tournament. We ran every Wednesday, just, <laughs> just to have something to do with it. Gotta get the reps. Yeah. Gotta <laughs> get the reps in. Yeah. I, like I remember like slapping high fives the first time we had a hundred people watching as opposed to 12 and, um, yeah, like that, that was fun, but like probably one of the coolest experiences I've had over the last year was uh, DreamHack Valencia, Artosis, if you watch professional StarCraft mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Um, he was there and, uh, you know, I always obviously admired his work and uh, thought the world of him, never met him. And he uh, was standing outside our hotel and I went to walk up to him and I said, uh, said, Hey, I'm, uh, Hey, I, I, th- I think I called him by his actual name. I was like, Hey, um, nice to meet you. I doubt you know me. And he goes, No, you're AC. I was like, you know, kind of stunned by it. And I was like, well, yeah, dude, like they, I had no idea that you would, you kept up with Dota. He's like, I really don't. But, um, looking back to right before I switched to Dota, right before I switched to Dota, he was looking to hire someone new to come to Korea and cast Starcraft two for GOM. And he actually was trying to hire me. Um, and I, and but he never got in contact with me because I switched to Dota. So like that, that was a really cool moment. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I toiled, awesome. yeah, like I toiled in obscurity for a year and a half. And even that though it's so tough, cause obviously you don't want to go yeah. live in, as you said, you don't want to live yeah. somewhere international, but like when that happened, when you get right. the call, you're like, Oh, do I do this? And Dota is like just there and you don't really know if it's going to be a thing. You're exactly. like, I think it's going to be a thing. Like, I don't know. That would, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like a bullet dodge. Right. You didn't get the call. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, you know? And looking back on it I, to this day, I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. I, it feels like I would have had to have gone, especially at that stage of my career. Well, because- and it's also like you're, like Starcraft in Korea, right? Yeah, it's exactly. Like the Mecca, Canada. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> totally, totally. You know, like, no, no, no. It's like going to watch uh, to, to cast curling in Canada. Come on, <laughs> yeah. let, let's, get, let's get the tears right. Yeah, exactly. So you said something earlier about um, expanding the audience. You know, it's like it's like the esports is totally growing and everything. But I feel like there's this crazy challenge where like you can try to make like you take football and there's like athleticism is something that somebody can understand, right. you know, like, like you just see somebody catch a 60 yard pass. Right. They lay out for a 60 yard pass and catch it. And you're like, wow, that's impressive. Cause we're I all losers know. in PE. But like, yeah. I could not give a shit about sports and know nothing about the sport of football, but watching that there's like, you know, there's some like poetry you to it. And you're and like, like, that's, you understand yeah, like, like you have like a physical run, body and like, you're yeah. like, cool. But when you're watching, when you're watching an esport, like you're watching a Dota match and you don't know anything about the game, it's just complete nonsense. You know, it's just complete nonsense to you. So it's like, I, I wonder like, like what, what approach are you taking? Like to like, all right, yeah, we want to, we want to expand this thing to people that don't play Dota, but might want to watch it. Right. How do you get like, holy crap, that seems, that seems really hard. If not impossible. Like, how do you approach that? 
one thing that that I mean, like, and again, that that's kind of what I hope to do. And like, if there's any like long term goal I have, it's that I hope to be a person that really adds to that is is making this more packageable for the average user. And that's why, like, in broadcast, I don't even use a lot of esoteric terms. I mean, there's a certain certain amount of terms you have to use. BKB, you know, the acronym soup that that always comes with a game like yeah. this, and you're going to break it down and talk about those things. But like me personally. I try to use terms that I think anyone anyone who's going to watch esports that isn't a huge player of the game that maybe they're tuning into, I I can only imagine when I think about it that those are people who t- tune into other sports as well. Like that's just people who like sure. competition and drama, and maybe they like gaming as well. So they're going to try to to mix the two. Um, so I I tend to use a lot of verbiage um, and phrases and stuff that comes from sporting culture in general. Um, you know, and there's always the big hype moments. You know, the the catchphrases, drop the hammer, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But but a lot of times just just using phrases that are that are familiar to anyone who watches organized sport be it hockey be it like if someone gets a triple kill i call it a hat trick you know things like that 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 maybe a very small percentage are ever going to appreciate but it gives it a, a sense of familiarity and it opens the door and makes it feel like less of a closed activity because you know especially sure. if there's any you know negative that we all have to be honest about when it comes to gaming is it can be a bit of a closed community sometimes because you come in and and people um not you know and I'm, I'm not saying a majority in fact i would say it's a very slim minority but they they do view it as their domain and, it's a very vocal minority right it's like, get out yeah yeah like, noob get you don't know this how dumb are you why yeah, would you even yeah. play uninstall <laughs> yeah. right oh yeah oh you mean alt f4 delete local content you might say that to someone i only said that once <laughs> I, I was rude it was rude all right, all right. That all sounds right, like Sean a fun Man, story. I, I want to hear that, but uh, but um, but yeah. So and, and I and I think there is definitely um, a battle that you have to fight there um, in terms of again making it uh, making it consumable by by people who are interested but aren't necessarily deep into the scene or looking for a way in and and. I think if we can get over that hurdle and, you know, and it comes down to things like you were talking about, like at what point do we start considering the idea of, of having players change their names if they're just silly and it's not even silly ones. Uh, those that I have a problem with, but like uh, bucking mad or fucking mad is actually his name. Like great guy, fantastic player that writes a lot of really in-depth pieces. How marketable is he with, with, with a tag yeah, like that? Like I seriously, just, just being real. Um, that kind of thing. I think that you have to be willing to have a conversation about it. Um, you have to be willing to have conversations about um, the behavior of your casting desks. Um, like, I I rarely, if ever, curse on the air, and that's that's honestly as much due to training as anything else. Where if I dropped an f bomb on radio, yeah, the FCC, was yeah, like I, I yeah. yeah, like millions of dollars in fines and stuff. So like that was beaten into me. It's like, oh, not only will you be fired, but we'll probably pursue legal action because you just cost our radio station a lot of money. So that was beaten into me, and I, you know, sometimes I relax or get into the mood, and you know, and I'll make a maybe a slightly off color joke. But then, I mean, there there is, I think, an element where you have to be willing to look at what's expected, and it's such a hard. Hard, hard conversation to have with your community because the community is composed of people who want it to feel fun and light and want it to reflect yeah. their segment of gaming culture and have Twitch chat trolls. And- well, and see any sort of like any conversation about that as a effort to contain or edit as opposed right. to like improve you know and broaden and right yeah and and it's it's a very hard line to walk because you don't want to alienate the people who are fueling and have fueled and will continue to fuel your own growth and success and attempt to go after what could be a mythical market that doesn't exist to begin with but how do you know when that and you know 
when that market has the potential to be so big, yeah. you know, do you want to take that step? And I, and I even feel like on an individual basis for a lot of community members, they, they're not even sure where they feel about it either. Cause I think, I don't think there's anyone in the community that would say, Oh, it'd be terrible if we got a major multi-million dollar sponsor for every team and we could pay our, our esports athletes enough to make a living wage. Yeah. Nobody, and, nobody thought that the international $2.6 million prize pool was like, somehow selling out right what well but but <laughs> they did they're stupid <laughs> right well but you know a lot of that was crowdfunded yeah and, but you know and that's another element to it crowdfunding's all the rage now and it's right. it's it's a win for everyone tournaments win because um you know our prize pools right. expand we have more hype the players win because they have access to more money and the yeah. chance to make more money is that a well that's going to tap out at some point though like that's a question like right. and i think you're already well, advertising is always going to be a big part of free entertainment yeah like, and know, it should be yeah it should it's be always going to be that way it's the way the world works right i would i was really surprised to see like the compendium sales go as high as they did yeah, mm-hmm. i thought the compendium was an interesting thing you know and it was like 10 bucks or 29.99 yeah it was yeah, 10 bucks and yeah, sure whatever like i'm supporting it yay but like um yeah it's like i didn't even have time to like go through and fill out my fantasy picks and right. i didn't even know that much about like predictions and all this other stuff so like i don't think i really used it that much right. you know like, well here's the question would you buy one this year Oh, absolutely. I would buy okay. one this year. Yeah. yeah and, see, and that's that's yeah. the valid question to me is like, if this is working, it's great. And I believe in our community. Our community has shown time and time again, and no one knows it better than me. I am here not because of, uh, you know, of anything. Like you said, I got lucky and got put in a place where I was able to entertain some folks. Yeah. And you know, there's hard work that comes after that. But the help I've had along the way, the support I've had right. of the community is why I'm here. And I don't think anyone who's involved in Dota in particular, but also in esports, takes that for granted at all. And that's why we look at, you know, to me, we have a responsibility to look at our business models and look at what we're doing and go, okay, are, is there a point where we're milking our community? Are we taking advantage of their goodwill? Mm-hmm. Are they going to get sick of shelling out money and driving our, our prize pools higher for the sake of higher prize pools. But at what point are we just basically asking too much? Are, are we giving back the value we want to give back? Are we adding value the way we want to add value? That's yeah. a... Man, that is a really... That's a really weird Well, so much question. of that is also tied up in, like, what is the nature of the thing that a person is buying into? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's something about just top to bottom, the like, the the package of the international that's put together as a quality product from either just being there or watching it. Every single thing is executed at like with, we're trying to make the best tournament you could ever watch or experience. So right. you feel like I'm um, buying into a quality thing that's being put together by quality human beings, right? you know, and it's as that, as that mechanism crowdfunding like spreads and you see this even on Kickstarter with products, mm-hmm. um, and the quality of the products are sort of the intentions behind the the events are maybe not as mm, focused <laughs> like the, <laughs> Kindly, the international. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, oh, whatever. We can just throw together a tournament. We'll get, you know, we'll have a $1.6 million prize pool. And what? I mean, this tournament's going to cost money. Better, like, right. you know, shave some of that off for the, you know what I mean? Like, as those intentions start to creep into it, I think you'll probably see backlash. But I think, right. you know. That like, is awesome quality, to hear that yeah. you're thinking about that and talking about it's that. It's a topic. Because, yeah. like, I, and, like, totally relate to that. Like, at like a double fine. Like oh, yeah. we, I mean, <laughs> we put know something about crowdfunding. Yeah, we know, we don't know a little bit about crowdfunding, but you know, we, you know, there are these like really high tiers that people can, you know, we, we try to like make them as valuable as valuable as possible to people. And then if they want to, if they hopefully have the disposable income to like spend on it, cool. And right. like we had some people in the like five and $10,000 tiers that, you know, they went for it and that's awesome uh, for, for master chalice. And we're like, you know, I was so 
self-conscious and, and conscious about like, what, you know, what does that mean? Like, like they're going to come to the office and we're going to talk to them about the design. And, and just, I was constantly just asking them like, is there, you know, can I do anything else? Like, what do you, right. you know, like, like <laughs> what do you want? You gave us a lot of money. Like, are you cool? Is this like hitting your bar? Like, you know, is this what you wanted? Like, right. ah, and they were all like really cool. And they were just like, you know, it was, it was really nice that they were, they were like, you know, not freaked out by the fact that I was asking them every hour on the yeah. hour, like, Hey, is this cool? Is everything going cool? Thanks for backing. Thanks for giving us your money. Right. You know, don't want to be taking advantage of you because we appreciate the support, you know, like just trying to make that message clear is interesting um i think you have to be that way though like anytime you're you're and you know in esports in particular and what we do with dota we're selling a product obviously we're selling games and tickets and item bundles and all that but there you know whenever you say oh and x percent of this is going to contribute to the prize pool you know i i i i worry so much that the dota community and any community gaming related ever feels like they're being taken advantage of. Right. Like that, that is such a huge concern to me every day, every, every time we talk about a future project and you know, it's not like we're treading lines or anything. You're like really looking to, to even raise that question any more than, than other, but you know, you have to be willing to look backwards too. I feel like it's, I feel like esports has reached a point where we're not going to face a crash. Like we saw, um, going back to like the days of fatality and all that, where mm-hmm. you had this huge influx of money, then boom, it just died. Right. I think the, the installation is much stronger. Twitch, Twitch TV, is, yeah. uh, we owe a lot to it's them for on that. Real people, right? Real users, actually. Yep, not exactly. Just corporate hype, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but I always, you know, and it's sad too. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> just like, why are we doing this? Yep. Oh, because we like it. Yeah, and, and it's like, you know, even like StarCraft, you're beginning to see them suffer some as their user base pulls and goes to other games and yeah. all that. And you have to, you know, and that's not necessarily, you know, I, I don't know enough about that to speak intelligently, other than to say I don't think that it, a StarCraft user feels abused so i don't think that's the issue mm-hmm. but it is a concern um to me and especially to organizations like evil geniuses like we want to we want obviously we're a business we want to make mm-hmm. money you know and we all want to we all want to not just be successful we all want to be wealthy you know it'd be nice to be able to, to put on our own million dollar tournament and all that stuff so how do you strike that line like uh, what how much is too much to ask from your users are you giving them uh, not just perceived value, but actual value, tangible value that they're going to want to replicate the next time you put out a product or the next time we run a tournament or anything like that. And just always worrying about exhausting them, you know, and that's all, that's another conversation that, um, that it needs to be had, especially right now. And, it, and in particular leading up to, uh, the close of TI4 as content saturation where we've really hit a critical mark now. Like we had to shrink uh, our D2L. We plan to have another full season where there just wasn't time. So we mm-hmm. had to shrink and condense the format and make it Western challenge without a land final, which is a disappointment to me and to the team. But the, the, the choice was, okay, we can either force this because we know the teams well enough and we know how we have enough leverage that we can make this a miserable situation for everyone. And the users would just feel completely assaulted with additional content, mm-hmm. or we can do what's right by our users, by our viewers, which is they're going to want more. They're going to, they, they want the games and we have the budget and we want to make this happen, but we condense it. We uh, make it more easily, easy to consume. And we don't have teams that are exhausted because they're playing their fifth best of three of the day, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, between that, MLG had to scrape their Dota presence coming up in Anaheim um, because of ESL1. You know, ESL1 is gigantic, but all these things are just overlapping so tremendously that, you know, it's not to say it's a bad thing necessarily, but how's it going to shake out? Yeah. Like, 
Starcraft suffered from that mm-hmm. hugely, and it, it would be a big mistake not to learn from that. Yeah. And I think a conversation no one is willing to really have because, and this comes back to what we talked about right at the beginning of the podcast, and I'm not saying it's a solution, so I don't want to be misconstrued, but when you look at the options we have in terms of how we can organize our content, get our content creators, be they casters or video makers or whatever, get them on a path that serves everyone as efficiently as possible – do you consider something like what League of Legends has done with their LCS? Like, is that is that uh, is that something Valve would consider? Is it something we should ask of Valve? What are the merits? What are the what are the bringdowns? And I feel like there's a lot of pushback on any time that conversation's open because no, it's League of Legends. We're Dota, mm-hmm. and you know, no one wants to really be in that position. But I think it's a conversation worth having because the Wild West is what we're in right now. And that's great. It's awesome. I, because it's the Wild West, I got a chance to do what I do for a living. There's no other way around it. Like I, I cracked through because it was so wide open when I first got right. into Dota. Sure, sure. And you don't want to deny that to anyone. But how do you how do you keep that open and keep what defines our community and makes it great? But avoid situations like we've run into this spring and this summer because this isn't good for anyone. Like everyone's basically stepping on each other's toes, and you can only organize so much. Like the default answer, I think. Is very often, well, you just need to communicate. The tournaments need to communicate. The tournaments need to communicate. Well, it doesn't work that way, though. Like, right. we, we can communicate so much, but we have our own set of goals and our own set of initiatives. And naturally, we're going to run into conflicts. We're going to run into problems with, you know, with scheduling. And, right. and you know, our, if our corporate sponsors, our sponsors want us to really hit content hard on these months, right. those are the months that we have to hit because yeah. that's what we've been given money to do. We can't just be like, nah, sorry, we got to push it back three mm-hmm. extra months, but thanks for the $100,000. Yeah. doesn't work that way. So it's I think because it is more like, it's as opposed to like the NFL or the NBA or something like that. It is more. Or something like golf where like the PGA is like here are the tournaments if you want to have one we have to like it's on a schedule it's a calendar that is like controlled by the PGA but the tournaments are run by you know whoever like, right nationwide or whoever blah, 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 you know like corporate sponsorships mm. at you know private at private facilities right you know it's more it's, it's a very interesting problem because there's no nucleus right now and Valve hates to be the nucleus yeah <laughs> they fucking yep. hate it Absolutely. yeah I could I could never see them doing something like the LCS yeah. it seems I can't either I mean I don't know much about the LCS but it seems like an interesting solution to mm-hmm. that problem of like trying to make something that's more standardized like making your own league and like right. doing it all in house and it's like whoa Seems crazy, but um, like I don't know. Do you think it's working? Like, do you think that approach is working for them for, for League of Legends? Yeah, I don't oh, know. absolutely. I mean, League of Legends is growing by leaps and bounds, and so are we. I mean, I'm not taking anything away, and you know, I got to admit, there's an element that always gets nervous having these discussions because I just know how volatile a topic this is for so many people. Like, even 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 looking at comparisons is mm-hmm. it, like they makes people uncomfortable because sure. you know, there's well, always nobody that. can question that your intentions are like <laughs> well founded. Right. You know what I, mean? I hope like, you have to be critical and have an examining. I mean that's why right. that's why we do idle thumbs actually as game makers right it's because it's like we have to be critical of ourselves and of our industry to continue to add to improve it and right. add value to it as creators like, right you know I don't think anybody I, I think you could look at something like the NFL and um and yeah, that's obviously the, the and it sounds such like such a cookie cutter answer because yes the NFL is the most you know the the richest sport in the United States and yeah and, and so on but the way they're organized is the actual NFL like the 
company, NFL. They're a nonprofit. Yeah, they're nonprofit. <laughs> yeah, they're, exactly. I, mean, I've, I've, I just learned this a few really weeks ago, I, and I, it like blew my I mind off. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and that, that, that was exactly what I was going to say, yeah. because the NFL basically is the organizing structure, but they don't own any assets outside of just the rights to, to their league and all this. And then all the teams are owned independently, and they have to worry about their own operations. They report right. revenue to the NFL. Well, they do percentage. a lot of share, too, yeah. across, across like, uh, right. and things like that. And is that something that is worth replicating and you know an issue it's one of those chicken and the egg conversations something like that would be much easier to organize and to actually look at and, and as a feasible tangible possibility if there were more teams that were stable and rich enough that, that they could keep players on contract for a long period of time right, sure but there's not but to it, it almost feels like to get to that point then you still have to have this structure so which is going to come first like how are we ever going to get there because right now and you know i think it's something that shocks a lot of people especially fans and viewers who you know these players are celebrities they have you know tens of thousands of twitter followers and all this when you look at their actual month-to-month paycheck it's not great for right. the most part like yeah. you have like unless you're navi yeah yeah like you have like navi alliance uh, evil geniuses, you know, a few of these bigger ones that can afford to pay a truly decent, semi-comfortable living wage to mm-hmm. people to do this. And then, yes, you can supplement it with winnings, and that does come to the very good teams. Right. Obviously, Alliance, Navi, they're not hurting. Yeah. Um, but And then you have stream revenue and all this. But it's still very unstable, and it's something that can go away very quickly. Yeah. You, you can go from being a top-tier team. I mean, look at, look at Invictus Gaming. Look at the, you know, where they were. And now you have Chuan who, you know, left and then came back and he's still not happy. And you have all these situations of these players who had one big payday. But what are they doing now? Like, well, you know, and I, something that I hate, um, that I hope we as a culture, a gaming culture can get rid of is the idea of, oh, you have gaming life in real life. Like, I hate it whenever people talk about it. It's like, oh, this player had to drop out of competitive Dota 2 because he had real life stuff to worry about. Well, the the fact that we have that mindset about things is part of the problem right. to me. Like, if you're if you're trying to do this with your life, it's real life. Yes, the money might not be great. Yes, it might be a difficult situation. Yes, it might be tough to have a stable life. But it's as real as anyone else. It's as real as the guy who's painting in his attic trying to make it as an artist. It's as real as the guy who's yeah. gigging, gigging around the country in a in a broken down van looking for his big break. That's real life. And I think we need to get away from that and start and really start to look at. Long-term solutions and long-term answering long-term questions about how we can stabilize not just our sector of the industry, you know, Dota two and whatever, but what models are successful that could apply to us? Because other, until that happens, you're always going to have, you know, as the pageantry of the international is phenomenal. You know, seeing uh, players who do get themselves in a in a great financial situation through hooking up with teams or winnings or whatever, that's great. But you still have the vast majority of people who are working very hard, just as hard, that are. Still still unable to do it full time and unable to commit what they want to it. And these are questions that I think as much or more than location for future tournaments and, and ticket sales and all this, I feel like those are really the most important ones. And if we take care of that, everything else will probably start to, to backfill itself. Mm-hmm. Sure. Man. Sure. You want to be on this podcast I gotta, all the time. Yeah, I know. You want to just we'll do a couple tweets and then you got to go. Back, yeah, go I, I kind of got to get rolling. I did okay. want to ask you a quick question, though. Of yeah. Just like the actual game, like once they hit parity with with Dota one, it's like so you got techies and you got a couple mm. other things that need to be like kind of ported in. What, what do you, where do you see it going? Where do you want to see it go? What you know, is it just kind of going into maintenance phase or you think they're just going to like, like at what point does the hero pool get too big? Do you retire here? What do you, what do you do? <laughs> you know, like what, what is the solution for that? 
That's an interesting question. Um, I don't think you retire heroes. Um, they're, they're, Ice Frog's Ice Frog. He's a balanced genius. And when you look at the history of Dota, the reason Dota became what it became, even going back to Dota All-Stars, um, like, you know, because Ice Frog was, um, you know, at the end of a long line of people who were caretakers of this yeah. mod. And, and it only blew up when he got there, even though, yes, you had most of the, like, Dota All-Stars was literally him kind of handpicking um, what heroes he liked the best from all variations of the mod. But sure. more importantly, he was the first one who actually cared about balance and to try and make it not just a fun play arena, but to make it a truly competitive arena. And I don't, you know, he's shown time and time again that he knows when to change things up. Um, and, you know, I actually had a conversation in our last uh, weekly reported episode where it's always fun to see non-numerical changes. Like it's one thing to like change cooldown times and change damage values and change health and all this. But then you do stuff like change the entire way Keeper of the Light functions once he gets a scepter. The fact that his Illuminate I, now heals. You know, I am I am blown away by that on a game design level yeah. of yeah. just the number of changes that I read that are uh, qualitative. It, right. it blows my mind that it's just like, like I was trying to get my head around like the Tusk snowball change. Yep. And I was just like, this is insane. This basically like completely changes how it will be used. This yep. is, this yeah. is totally bananas. Um, so many more uses now. Yeah. And it, and it was just, um, and that stuff, the number of qualitative changes that are in the, in your typical update, is just like mind blowing to me. Like you would yep. not do this with most games. So I think it's like, it's, its legacy as a mod really caters to that and mm-hmm. it's really interesting and yeah. I feel like it does keep it fresh and they're good at like shaking the meta up and stuff with with changes like that right. you know um and I think that's yeah. what you're going to see moving ahead is you're going to see once the hero pool is stabilized. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't know a whole lot about Dota 1, but there's already some break in parity, um, like changing the way some projectiles work and some of the mm-hmm. the weird artifacts that existed just because of sure. the limitations of the Warcraft engine. Uh, going back, I want to say it was 6.78 or 6.79 that actually started. So you're already beginning yeah. to see a break in parity there. But I expect you'll see a lot of changes like that <clears throat> once the hero pool is completely full. Um they will be putting in new heroes. Um, I, I, yeah, like they, I think they're going to come out at a speed that's acceptable though. I don't think you're going to see a new, a new hero every month. Oh, Um, sure. Sure. Um, I would imagine it'll be almost like parody patches or, well, they used to call them parody patches. Now they're balance patches. Like, cause you have, you know, smaller patches and updates that smooth things out or maybe tweak something a little bit, or maybe an ability is not functioning correctly, but like the big patches come out about once every two or three months. And I would expect, um, once you fall into a rhythm, that's what you can expect to see in terms of heroes being added. Um, I think it'll be really cool if they start taking community submissions through the workshop for heroes. Um, I think that would be excellent, mm-hmm. and it would really open things up in a brand new way um, to people who are graphic artists, and maybe they just happen to have really good insight into gameplay, too. And, and you know, maybe they didn't study game design, but now if they can just design a hero um, based on, you know, design him, uh, him or her, uh, aesthetically, but also they have a great idea for how a hero can function. And if they do something like that and incorporate the workshop, I think it would be great. And I'm kind of yeah, hoping for that. Yeah. Got some tweets. Sit here for. I know, I know. I'm so bummed that yeah, everybody's going to yell at me when I get back to some work. Of the, some of the like more like this or that sort of. Easier to <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Questions. Okay, that would be good. All right. Um. Uh, at Ramagama eighty six. <laughs> Sorry, I like I like handles are dumb. <laughs> uh, Macarius Wrench is the guy's name. Uh, question 
for you, AC. Are you a one, two, three, four, or a Q W E R kind of guy? Are people one, two, three, four people? Whoa, yeah, I, I know, I know multiple who are like that. I'm a, I am a, uh, I am a hybrid. I use Q W E R uh, yeah. for the bass spells. Uh-huh. My my mapping of the keys is Q W E R. Then for you know, whenever you have like uh, heroes that have secondary abilities like invoke or whatever, yep. then I use four and five. Same here, exactly uh, me. Um, I, I have my inventory mapped to one, two, three. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see, is it one, two? No, no, no. I have my inventory map to D and F, um, which I use okay. for my, you know, like armlet and uh-huh. um, and all that. Then, you know, you're, the items you're going to use a lot. Like D is always my blink dagger and my uh-huh. fourth staff. F is always uh, my arc boots on, on a support. One is always my BKB slash mechanism, depending. Okay. Um, and on down the line. I, yeah, then I go to two and three. Then I have my my last slot of my inventory ma- uh, map to T for teleport. That's where I always keep my teleport scroll. Okay, yeah. I have... My inventory. I need to rejigger uh, my keys. That's why I just learned. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> it yeah. helps, man. I'm happy it with helps. mine. I'm happy with mine right now. Yeah. Uh, I should probably change it though. It's just such a setback. You you, mm-hmm. you switch it and you're like, well, it's a fucking week of learning that shit. Yep, exactly. Um, this is a good one. At Glass Eater asks, when's the voice pack coming out? We're working okay. on. Oh well, I, I think I'm allowed to do this. And if not, if I get in trouble at work, then sorry, Glass Eater. Um. <laughs> It's I, I've dropped enough hints that I think it's it's obvious that I am in the process of doing that. Uh-huh. We've got some really cool ideas um, that we're looking to do some different things with it um, because it's going to be obviously with me. Like I'm not a. It's when you look at like most of the successful voice packs, you have like Bastion, but so it's a character from Bastion who's acting yeah. in character. Whereas, what am I going to contribute if I ever try to do something like that? And like Pyrian Flax did his and his quirky sense of humor, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But the direction that I kind of want to take with it is more of like when you play like John Madden football and you're playing and it feels like you're being commentated. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, that's cool. Yeah, you want to combine something that's like tough. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I know how that stuff is written. That's fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, you know, we're trying to do something like that. Um, soon TM. Soon TM. Yeah. EG soon I'd be really TM. Really <laughs> and I, I can't tease this. More about Don't, hey, chances are there'll be more with it than just a voice pack. So uh, keep an eye out for that. If, if we're able to do all the things that we're planning to do and pushing to do, I, I can say that we're hoping, hoping very, 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 very hard, maybe before TI4. Cool. Maybe. Wow, that's a real answer. Yeah. Whoa. And we'll do one more because um, there are some really good questions in here mm-hmm. about that, that are just sort of like, it would be at half an hour. Yep. Uh, Keeper came up with one. Um, but um, uh, at Bella Torpy asks, what heroes are you most excited to see going into TI4? Uh, that's a tough question. It's a good one, though. Yeah. Um, it's a good question that it feels like we can, we can actually address maybe for a second. Uh, like most excited to see. I don't know. Like that is such a hard question because like, like at, at this point, the meta has a certain look to it, but I feel like there are heroes that are going to be getting played more mm-hmm. looking ahead, but it's so hard to nail down which one those are. If you I, could just pick like, Oh man, I really hope this character gets into the, like the TI four meta brewmaster. Yeah. I love brewmaster. Nice. The way he's remade. I feel like he's been buffed. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, he's one of those heroes and you see this all the time. They, they get buffed just a little bit, but it happens in three or four consecutive patches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He benefited a ton from the Blink Dagger buff, like mm-hmm. hugely from the Blink yeah. Dagger buff. His latest change, the fact that he's now guaranteed a crit if he hasn't, if he hasn't attacked in a set amount of time. Yeah. So now you have like the, he's this weird kind of anti-carry. Like he was always kind of an anti-carry initiator mm-hmm. um, because of Drunken Haze and yep, all this. Yep. But, but now you're actually guaranteed one big shot. So you have creativity, how you can build him, the, um, the scepter upgrade 
now and the way it works with his spirits mm-hmm. and what that what what it adds to that. There's just so much complexity to him. And right now, Blink Initiators are all the all the rage. Um, he also God, that seems amazing that. Um I mean, I haven't seen that in action, but mm. it sounds amazing. Just let, you know, blink and then the, I forget what clap. His, yeah. his clap ability, you know, it's like blink, blink clap, clap guaranteed crit. That's yeah. like, yeah. I mean, he's going to be blowing some people up. That's awesome. Yeah, I played him like three days ago and it was yeah. fucking awesome. <laughs> well, <laughs> he, really he also can get so aggressive so early. Like his, his ultimate is never stronger than it is at level six out of mid. Like when you're level six and the, and all the, the laners are level four, you can just go dive and kill three of them just about by yourself. Like, and because of the way the, the meta and, and it is, it, it's getting away from that a little bit. It's not quite as aggressive now as it was going back two or three months ago, but still very, very rewarding um, for overall like tower diving and aggression, taking early towers, choking the map. I, I, I thought Slarder would be a big one uh, coming up, and honestly, I just haven't seen it, so I was wrong on that one. I'll own that oh, one. Oh man, I would love, I love me a good Blink Crush. I, oh yeah, I, it, oh, he, so he's, good. He feels like he he needs at least he's been buffed, and he he still is certainly getting played, and he fits mm-hmm. into a lot of lineups. But I feel like Brewmaster really and he's so versatile in what he can do you can mid him you can you can even send him off lane if you anticipate the lanes correctly and the way that the off lane role has changed now with heroes like nyx assassin succeeding at it um you know you get him you know go tier one boots on him early he's fairly tanky you've got clap to escape um you got drunken haze um and drunken brawler which helps with evasion and all that so i i think i really want to see brewmaster make it in and get picked up and i think there's a decent chance he will Awesome, sweet, fucking good, sweet, professional. I know, I know. Yeah, you want you want to just come do this all the time? Just come (laughs) hang out. (laughs) I got. I I am right up the road, man. I I love like your studio is awesome. By the way, dude, you should know that. I want to see your studio and come on down to Double Fine. Check it out. I would love to. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, guys, I'm in town. I would love to come on anytime you'll have me. Please do. Fucking do it. We need to play Dota. We need to go feed together. Oh God, I'm so bad. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Do it. Let's, yep. do it. let's do it within the week. Yes, all of, yeah, for sure. Around. I'm in. Yeah, cool. I'm in. Well, Good. this has been an absolute pleasure, man. Oh, yeah. no, dude, thank cool. you so, so much. Can people, find, people can find you at, at AC on Twitter. Yep, at A-Y-E-S-E-E. S-E-E. Yep, and uh, uh, ACTV just about everywhere else. Like, cool. if you look me up on Facebook, on um, on Twitch, um, anywhere else, it's ACTV, A-Y-E-S-E-E-T-V. And uh, like you said, Twitter, at AC, at A-Y-E-S-E-E. Cool, man. Awesome. Well, thanks, Brad. And thanks awesome. to you, AC. And thanks to the Chasers for the use of their song, Success and Failure. I like that song. That is our theme song. Also, they're doing a West Coast tour very soon. I'll uh, talk about it next time. Sick. Cool. All, right. All right, guys. Bye. The sweet success and failure. The sweet success and failure. You Got look it. like a colon D. <laughs> I I try to lean into it, you know. <laughs> you two kind of look lean like in. a morning radio show host yeah. tandem. You really do. Just just scooter yeah. and scooter and butt scrape or whatever. Scooter in the van. Scooter in the chicken. Scooter in, in the, the morning. morning. That's yeah. Hong Kong. <laughs>